Welcome to the first episode of Runs in the Family. I'm one of your hosts, Dink Taylor. And I'm Skylar Taylor. Skylar is my youngest son, and uh, Alan, my oldest son, will be directing this podcast. And this is pretty new, and it's pretty exciting. Uh, We've been telling lots of stories over the years, and what better way to uh, communicate and reach out to everybody and let them know what's going on without having to write it down on paper. Uh, I think it's going to be really simple, but we need to go back to where it all started. And Skylar, have you ever heard me talk about how it all started? Um, If I remember correctly, I think you went out with Granddad on a run with you and your friends, and you were the only one that stayed with them for the whole run. That is pretty much true. So we got to go back to... Spring of 1978, I think I was 12 years old, Um, and me and my friends used to play out in the yard. Every evening, you know, before dinner, we'd be out playing touch football, wiffle baseball, whatever, just having fun. Uh, like kids do, we had, I know, you know, granddaddy's got a big yard. Yeah, so plenty of times. You've been there plenty of times. Big yard, we played in it all the time. But when dad would come home from work every day, he would always say, hey, Dink, why don't you go run with me? And I'd say, I don't want to go running, Dad. That makes my side hurt. <laughs> and he would and he would just, uh, I can remember seeing him out there stretching, and he, he liked to wear those little long parachute-looking pants. Yeah. It wouldn't matter if it was 100 degrees outside. He didn't like wearing shorts. He'd wear like a white cotton T-shirt, and he'd wear a headband. <laughs> there's, there's still some people that run in sweatshirts and sweatpants, but... Well, back then, you know, there just really wasn't any technical wear or anything. Yeah. But I can always remember seeing him head up Bellevue Drive there. And, of course, we'd just keep playing until it got dark. So a friend of mine was spending the night with me one night, and Dad did his usual routine. He came home. It was just about dark. They said, hey, boys, y'all want to go run with me? And uh, I was like, no, nah, we don't want to go running. And one of my friends said, hey, Let's go run with him, show him how to run. <laughs> and I looked at him and I was like, are you sure? And he goes, yeah, let's go. And I don't remember who all was in the yard that night. I feel like there was a fellow named Jim Murdoch, maybe Paul Hawk. Um, I don't know. I don't know. We had a lot of regular neighborhood kids that liked to play, but uh, we all took off with old granddaddy. <laughs> and uh, he set the pace and we just kind of all followed right in line with him. And... Uh, one by one, they kept falling off. And as granddaddy tells the story, in the end, I was the only one still with him running. And I kind of still remember that night. And I remember it was dark, and I just remember it was kind of fun. It wasn't as boring as I expected it to be. I think men- mentality of a kid back then, it was you think about running really fast. You don't think about running at a slow pace. You think yeah. about just going out and running fast. really that's where it all started for me was um, with that run right there Um, let's talk about the the thing that's interesting about this whole uh, conversation that we're having now is I'm 54 years old I think I'm in my 42nd calendar year of running and Skylar is 18 years old so we'll have two different perspectives on a lot of different things so uh i remember how why and how you started scholar so let's hear you say how you started running when we talked about this i i have like more than one starting point honestly Uh, i didn't really think about it first but i would say my first like real running memories are autumn chase fun run autumn chase yeah (laughs) i remember doing the one mile kids fun run all the time but that was like the only time I'd run. I couldn't say 1978 was my first time. I have, I have no idea what year it was. Maybe maybe you do. You but. probably were, um, you know, first or second grade. Um, yeah, that, so, that sounds about right. But it, but we would take you to the autumn chase. Um, I don't remember if you liked it or didn't like it. I'd, I mean, I enjoyed it, but I never like felt like it was something that I'd do every week or consistently. I had to show up and do it. Well, naturally, your mom and dad run. Um, we have a running store. We're direct races. We do a lot of different things. So why would you not be around running? I mean, you I, just, Yeah, I mean, I was around it, but I, you never forced me to do anything. 
And me personally, as a dad, I didn't think it's something you should push on your kids and make them run. I just don't think it's a good idea. I think you just lead by example, and then if they pick it up, they pick it up. Um, you know, it's – I remember taking you to races uh, your whole life, so you've been around it. But here's how I feel like you started running. Well, here, I, I can go say <laughs> um, in middle school I didn't run at all. Um, and then me and a few friends say we were going to do cross country freshman year so and that's kind of true so let me tell my side yeah, of the story okay. on that so Skylar I come home from work one day and you, you have finished middle school and you're going into high school and I was like Skylar do you need any help signing up for your classes and he said no I've already got all my classes done and oh by the way I'm running cross country and I said what <laughs> you're running cross country you said yep I said you know you got to start running he goes, I'll be all right. I'll be all right. That's what he kept telling yeah. me. I'll be all right. I go out and run a mile maybe every other week. Uh, so that summer, <laughs> I said, Skyler, do you realize the Huntsville High cross-country team is practicing on Montesano? <laughs> They're up there every day. Skyler's like, so? I said, I don't want to go up there. I'm like, I think it would be a good idea if you went up there and started practicing with them. Yeah, I'll be all right. He goes, I'm going to go running right now. And he'd go run one mile in the neighborhood on flat street, one mile, typically fast as he could. <laughs> I think sometimes you would run like a seven-minute mile, yeah. and then you'd be back, and then you'd be done for the day back on playing Xbox or whatever. Yeah, that sounds about right. That is about right. And uh, I was like, Skyler, you're going to be a hurting puppy when – September, August, September rolls around and you're practicing up there on Monday Sunday. I said, I think you should be up there. But again, I'm, I wasn't going to be a pushy parent and say, well, you've got to go up there. I'd let you figure it out for yourself. And um, so what happened when cross-country season started? I, I remember the first practice pretty vividly. Um, I got there after school because I wasn't like cross-country wasn't on my schedule yet because I wasn't on the team technically but I showed up after school and they'd already done like the mile warm-up and I was like mile warm-up why would you warm up for a mile um I think we ran like 20 minutes that day there was some walking in there it was super hot but because it was August and it was Montesano and I think no we we were practicing from the high school that, that day. from the high yeah when did I know I started helping at some point I started helping coach you were there that day I was there yeah you and Miles were there. Okay. Um, I just remember that first year of yours, there was a lot of suffering going on. and um, Yeah, maybe like it was pretty fast that I picked up my first injury. Picked up the injury pretty quickly, which yeah. is kind of normal for yeah a lot of people that haven't run. Why do you suppose you got injured so quick? Because I wasn't running at all. Um, it was really my first time running like – consistently i'd never done that before correct um, so a lot of people in that same situation they start running and the first thing they do is get injured because there's just a lot of things you can do to prevent that uh, for one you can start slow yeah uh, but one thing i learned even i didn't learn but one thing i do notice that cross-country teams do that the average runner doesn't do is they spend a lot of time warm up a mile Plyometrics. Plyometrics, stretching. stretching. All that stuff takes a lot of time is the problem. Yeah. And the average person that's got work and families and cooking and cleaning and laundry, they don't have time to do plyometrics and all, but yeah. they really need to be doing yeah, it. Yeah, they need to be doing it. They need to really be doing it. Um, one of the things I do in place of plyometrics and warm-up is I typically take my Addison Day stick and I roll. Yeah, uh, you're consistent with that. I'm very consistent rolling that's to me especially for older people like myself you need to be rolling so you can warm your muscles up get blood flow to the legs and go out the door feeling halfway decent um of course i still typically like my first mile to be my slowest uh, but i'm not going to stop and do plyometrics or anything like that because yeah. i just don't have time but i think uh, there's a lot of maintenance that is required in running even though it's considered a low maintenance sport yeah, which I kind of disagree with because I feel like runners get injured more than anybody. Just being a non-contact sport, you don't see any other non-contact sports really. 
amount of injuries that runners get. <laughs> I uh, think there's injuries in all sports. I mean, but if you look at like swimming and cycling, they don't get as injured as much because they're not dealing with the pounding that runners do. And that is correct. They can um, do a lot higher volume than runners. They do way more volume, but there is no pounding. And I and I consider myself a running person. I don't really, even though I do, I've done. I think I've done nine Ironmans now. I'm not a triathlete. I am a runner. Um, but I like having the opportunity to swim and cycle if I can't run. If I get injured, I have a backup plan. And when I come back from the injury, I never lost any fitness because I was swimming and cycling. Um, I, when I was your age, cross training was the furthest thing from my mind. Um, yeah. Um, except I, for the gym. I like going to the gym and cycling, but I feel like with the gym, I need to be more consistent with it when I'm healthy. It's kind of been like a band-aid for me in the past once I start getting my running volume up, which I think once I get like back to my mileage I want to be at, I need to be going at least three times a week still. Um, we've been going a lot with this comeback I've kind of had at the start <laughs> of the year. Well, um, I'm glad we're going to the gym because I know I needed it myself. Uh, one thing I can look at throughout my whole history of running is my times are better and I'm healthier when I'm going to the gym and doing my upper body stuff and my core workouts, I think it takes stress off uh, your legs and takes some of the load away and less likely to get injured. Yeah, just, for sure, just, especially with the core work. And I've actually been doing some leg-specific stuff that I usually wouldn't do in the past just because I feel like it, I need to make a change because I've been in this cycle of getting injured right after a big race. So have you ever thought year. about using uh, – working on your form at all to me i feel like form is just like natural and it'd be really hard to change and for me i'm mainly on trails so form isn't like the same every step right 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 um and of course there is cadence you can pay yeah. attention to cadence i don't know do you look at your cadence i look at it like after a run but i don't focus on it i know like if i do a hard workout or a race it's really high um, I don't think I've ever had a problem with it being too low. Yeah, and I've noticed the same thing. If I run a 5K race, my cadence is up there. Slower the training run, typically the worse the cadence, even though it's yeah. supposed to stay the same, but it just doesn't seem to work out that way. You know, you run faster, your cadence seems to be higher. Uh, <coughs> I don't know. I just, you know, I don't know how you can keep 180 cadence at any pace. Yeah. It just... I know that's what they say. They, I don't know who they is, but uh, I know that's supposed to be the perfect cadence. But I can hit 180 when I'm, like you said, doing a workout or a race or something like that. Um, let's talk about Mountain Mist. So, you know, and let's just talk about trail running in general. Yeah. Um, we'll go back in time on that, too. I was running in Huntsville on Thursday nights, Montesano from the school doing the old 10 mile route that you're aware of yeah panorama loop down bankhead turn around at five miles and come back up uh five miles out and then typically we always treated that as a five mile tempo coming back and just see what we could run that five miles hard in and i was doing that run every thursday with a guy named mark dummer and one day me and mark for whatever reason i don't know if we weren't in the mood to run that 10 mile tempo or do the five miles hard we were coming back and we decided to beeline it over there to the hiker parking lot and we literally jumped on that north plateau loop yeah and ran it this was in the 80s and that was technically my first trail run um no one was running trails in this town city of huntsville there was just there just weren't any trail runners then and we hopped on there and ran that trail, and it was awkward. And we were like, well, we don't need to be running here. Your pace is too slow. And yeah. just, it was just kind of weird. But at the same time, we kind of enjoyed it. And um, gradually, we started running that, that North Plateau Loop. In the South Plateau Loop. In the South Plateau Loop. Yeah. And just running that loop a lot. And um, I think we started incorporating that about once a week. Next thing I know, we were running one day, and there was a sign that said Mountain Mist Trail. Yeah. It's an old wooden sign. That sign's gone now. In fact, that trail is gone now because they moved Mountain Mist. Where was it originally? It was 
closer to where you turn to go fire tower trail. It's where. So the, was it up on the plateau? Or? So you the sign was on the plateau and you did switchbacks down. Do you so know how you did? Going? They like extend the tree. Do you know how there's like that one little place you can cut the trail? It's the same, ex- the same switchbacks, but now that last switchback goes all the way up to O'Shaughnessy Point. Yeah. Used to, you went straight to. Yeah, it. so yeah, I know where it yeah. is. That's where it used to be, but there used to be an old sign there, and it said Mountain Mist Trail. And we would, me and Mark would always look down at that sign and be like, "Dang, you know, those are hiking trails. Nobody would ever run down yeah. there. No one would ever run there." So one day we decided. Let's go run down this mountain mist trail. See what the heck it is. And me and Mark took off down it. And back then, of course, no one had trail shoes. There weren't any such thing as a trail shoe. Mm-hmm. They did not exist. We would take shoes that we had worn out on the roads. And when they got worn out on the roads, they became our trail shoe. So that makes no sense now uh, that you would take a worn out shoe and take it on trails where you probably need more under your on the trail than you do the yeah, road but probably. our thinking was ah the shoes worn out the trails are muddy and they're just going to ruin the shoe anyway and so uh, we took off and started figuring our way around mountain mist and then that's how we developed that little six mile loop basically that comes up cold springs and up the big climb yeah. that you go down at mountain mist now and we got to where we were running that on a regular basis and uh back then of course we didn't have cell phones we didn't have email we didn't have yeah. any of that stuff i'd pick up the phone i call mark i say hey mark Let's go run Mount Miss Sunday. <laughs> and we would head up there and run. And, um, you know, we just kept getting further and further out. We got to where we were actually doing some 20-mile trail runs back in those days. And um, I can specifically remember going up there to do long runs. And imagine this, Skyler, because this has never happened to you. Yeah. Park in the hiker's parking lot. Only car in the parking lot. Run 20 miles and not see a single person. Yeah, the, I saw, even this morning, I saw <laughs> at least four or five people on the trail. But, I mean, I ran from Oak Park this morning up to the Bankhead Trail, like the trailhead. Then I um, crossed the road, went down Dummy Line, then back down. It was about 5.2 miles, something like that. And you saw people? I, I saw multiple people on the trail, maybe six cars. Yep. And back um, back in those days, nobody was up there. There yeah. was nobody. I would see an occasional hiker every now and then. That would be it. Never saw anybody trail running. And, um, of course, we started looking at... I started taking uh, Ultra Running Magazine in 1986. I got my first issue. And I had not yet run an ultra marathon. And I started reading about all these different trail runs. And I started seeing results. <coughs> and I can remember looking at the results from the Pine Mountain Trail Run. It was a 46-miler in Pine Mountain, Georgia. Yeah. I'm sure you've heard me talk about that race before, but I was looking at the pace and I'm like, these guys are only running eight or nine minutes a mile. Yeah. I was like, and they're winning the races. How can you run that slow and win a race? <laughs> that was my mentality. I was like, I think I could win some of these things if, if that's all you got to do to win a race. That makes sense. Because uh, back, you know, in the 80s, um, everybody was running. There was, it was a lot more competitive. Uh, I always tell people, I ran my first marathon, the Rocket City Marathon. It was the fifth annual, December the 12th, 1981. I was 16 years old. They even had a 14 and under age group then for the marathon. 14 and under. There are no 14 and under running marathons now, basically. But they had a 14 and under age group. I was in the 15 to 19 age group, 16 years old, ran 256. That's 645 pace. I didn't even place in the 15 to 19 age group. Like you weren't top three? Or... It was not top three. Not, I did not place. It wasn't even close. I think I would have had to run a 240 in the 15 to 19 to place to my age group. And if I remember correctly, my 256 would not even have placed in the 14 and under at the time. Everybody ran fast, so... The mentality that you could run an eight-minute mile for 50 miles and win a race, to me, just sounded too easy. I was like, I think I need to start running these long ones because I think I can win these things. Yeah. Because I was winning no races back in those days. I mean, I went to a road race. I did not win. I mean, if I finished 18th overall at a 5K and made the top 20, I thought that was a big deal because I specifically remember my first 5K. I finished 18th. 
Um, and I ran like an 18-minute 5K, but I was only 18th overall. And I was like, man, I finished way up there. That was really good. So to win a race just wasn't in my mentality back then. And But when I started seeing all these trail times being so slow, well, at least what I thought was slow, I was like, I think I can do these and have a shot at it. Um, and that kind of got my interest level up even more in trail running, even though there was no trail runs going on, even in the state of Alabama. There, yeah. there were none. And so I was like, I think I'm going to get interested in these longer races. It, it just looks too inviting. Hey, I like to run really long. Yeah. Right. And <laughs> I enjoy being out there a long time. And B, the pace just sounded too easy to, to not give it a shot. Um, so talking about first things, I can tell you what my first ultra marathon was. Yeah, I could do that as well. <laughs> and we'll, we'll go over that. So my first experience was after I got that issue of ultra running magazine, you know, we didn't have the web. We didn't have all these race calendars. The only race calendar was in the back of ultra running magazine. I picked it up and I was reading it. This was in May, and I was like, man, there was a 40-mile run called the Strolling Gym 40 just this past weekend, yeah, and I'd missed, missed it. it. So you I just missed it. I was, I was 20 years old. It could have been a little longer. could have been one year longer. <laughs> I was 20 years old. I was like, but there's another race the next weekend, the Atlanta Track Club 24-hour. It's over in Atlanta. It's on, on, on a track. Yeah. Quarter-mile no, no, track. Thank you. So... I run into, I had dinner one night with a friend of mine, his name's Pete Salama. Pete lived here in Huntsville. He was one of the first ultra marathoners from around here. And I said, I saw there's a 24 hour race over in Atlanta this weekend. And Pete was like, let's go. He said, I was thinking about doing it too. <laughs> so we literally decided to do a 24 hour race. I don't know, three or four days before they, the race. They just let you sign up at the race? I think we must have signed up there. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, literally, we just decided a few days before. Maybe made a phone call. What was your longest run up to that? Or? My longest run up to that point was the marathon. Um, I thought, I've been wanting to get in, check out these ultra marathon scene. Let's uh, go check it out and see what happens. So, me, Pete Salama, and Todd White, Todd yeah. Ray White, somehow he got roped <laughs> into going with us as well. We drive over to Atlanta, and Pete's got a friend. His name is Ed, and Ed was from Huntsville but living in Atlanta now. And we stayed at Ed's house, and he thought we were crazy. And we went to that race. And May in Atlanta equals what? It's probably really hot. Probably really hot is correct. And we started running our laps and getting our miles in and probably just cruising at the start just taking easy. it easy and just running and experimenting because it's funny i went to the grocery store and i bought all this food yeah you thought you'd be eating all day and <laughs> i thought i was gonna be eating a buffet all day yeah yeah i wasn't doing much eating it was just too hot i mean but i can remember even just the miles going and going and going 50 miles 100k once I got past 100K, I was like, well, my longest run was 26 miles. I'm thinking, this is not very much fun anymore. And it just kept getting harder and harder. On that same quarter mile loop over and over again. Yeah, especially. and I think we were changing directions every four hours. Yeah, I think they do that still. I literally, and by the time I got to 80 miles, I was like, I think I'm done. I was like, I don't think I want to run another step. My legs are killing me. I just don't think I want any more to do with this thing. And <clears throat> I think Todd had already quit. I think he probably <laughs> only had like 60-something miles. I think Pete actually stayed out there and kept going. But uh, I think Ed ended up taking us back to the house because we yeah. were like, we want to go to bed. And, of course, we got up the next morning, we couldn't even hardly walk. We were like 100-year-old men walking around, getting in and out of the car real slow, and I'm like, I'll never do that again. Of course, we get back home, and what do you think happens after a day or two? Start running again. And start looking up more races. We start looking up more races. Start running <laughs> again, start looking up more races. And lo and behold, would you not know that three months later, so that was May, June, July, August, September. So four months later, 
We found another 24-hour race. 24. I was trying to think of what race it could have been, but no. And it was the Atlanta Track Club again. <laughs> and now they've moved the race to the Atlanta Waterworks Reservoir. Flat, one-mile loop. So we're like, oh, a one-mile loop sounds way more interesting yeah. than a quarter-mile track. And I was like, I'm going over there. I'm going to be ready for this thing this time. I'm not going over there and quitting 16 hours in like I did last time because I think that's about where I quit was 16 hours. And I think they'd even told me that I'd set a national record for 20-year-olds at the time for 100K because they had an official 100K split. Uh, and I, I kind of remember it being some kind of record, but I'm sure it didn't last long. There just weren't many 20-year-olds running 100K at the time. Yeah. But uh, go to Atlanta – Hopefully a little cooler into September. Wasn't no. the case. It wasn't the case. Still hot. May to September is still hot. Still hot in, south, in yeah. the southeast, you know. And um, but I got out there and went 107 miles in my second ultra marathon, and I was happy with that. I mean, that was good to get to the hundred. I probably could dig up the results and see what I split the hundred in. It was probably 19 or 20 hours, and yeah. then I, I think I. Once I got to about 107, just, I was kind of content. And, yeah, you just stopped. Yeah, and I think I just stopped. With some still, I was just sleepy. Um, one thing Skylar's been wanting to do is, or one thing you've been wanting to do is as a hundred miler. <laughs> yeah, but not not a loop or track race. But the thing you haven't got to experience yet is being sleepy. Yeah. During a run. Uh, I and, mean, I've 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 gone out and ran on like three hours of sleep before. <laughs> But there's something different about running 60, 70 miles and then it getting dark and yeah, then it getting true. bedtime. Some of the runs, I'm wide awake, and then some of them just been so sleepy. And I think your 24-hour races, you're more likely to be sleepy. Because, yeah, it's because it's so boring, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, But that was some of my early experiences with ultramarathoning and how my ultramarathoning all started. So... Yours hasn't been going that long, so talk, tell us. I know why you started running ultras, and I know exactly when, and I know what you started with, but I want to hear it from you exactly. Talk about your okay. – let's go back to your freshman year of high school. Yeah, we, yeah. I, and yeah, go so, from there leading up to that first ultra marathon. So I started running – what year was this? Probably 20 – I don't know what year it was. It was your freshman year of high school. Or what year would it have been? Oh, it was four years ago. Fifteen or sixteen. Five years ago. So yeah, <laughs> something like that. Five years ago. Yeah, five years ago. Um, that's that to me. That's just a, not long ago. Yeah, it doesn't feel that long ago <laughs> at this point. No, um, but yeah, that cross country season was kind of rough since I got that first injury. But you still so, raced. Yeah, I still raced. Um, I was happy overall with it. Uh, moved into track pretty well. I had one really good race that I was like, okay, I really enjoy this. Which race was really good? The two-mile? Um, the 3,200. 3,200? I ran like 1148. I remember. I got, I got under 12. And that was his uh, freshman year? Yep. Um, and then I was like, okay, now I'm going to actually train over the summer <laughs> and uh, do pretty Totally well. different summer the second summer. Yeah, and then things didn't go well at all sophomore year, I can tell you that. I don't remember exactly why they didn't go well. I guess I just I kind of lost motivation. I, I, it's, it, that year I don't really know what happened, but um, and then track season I started doing well again. Um, I think maybe I ran like five oh five for sixteen hundred and low eleven for thirty two hundred, which was a lot better than what my five k PR said I should be running. And then uh, let's think. That track season is when I really started getting into trails. Um, to start off, we'd have practice at John Hunt and on Montesano on the plateau. We stuck the plateau trails, which I enjoyed. Um, I never really like said, "Oh, I really love this up there," but I, at John Hunt, we do the three mile loop, the one mile loop, two mile loop, or whatever. I I just really enjoyed that trail. I don't. I don't know why that was the one that really got me into trail running, but I always enjoy going up that hill and down it and pushing up that hill sometimes. I feel like I was the only one on the team that really enjoyed that trail. <laughs> I always enjoyed running that loop. We ran it for many, many years. Um, I think if 
we go back to the fall of that year, I, I got on Strava. I think Rob told me about Strava, actually. Rob Youngren. Yeah, and um, I don't know how, but I, I found, like, Jim Walmsley on there. I saw all this stuff that he was doing, and I was like, that that looks really cool. Um, well, I can tell you one thing I remember <laughs> about it, too, was that you, you started looking at a lot of the maps on Montesano. Yeah. And then you started quizzing me about them all, saying, "I really, when can I go? When can we go trail running? I want to start trail running. When are you going to take me on some of the trails?" I'm like, "Well, it is summertime, so a lot of those trails are going to be grown up." I said, "And it's going to be snaky." And you're like, well, "I, I really don't care. I want to do old railroad bed and bluff line, and I yeah. got, I got this route we ought to run." So, I remember one one day I had mom drop me off at the base of Red Lizard. I ran up Red Lizard to the top of Warpath Ridge, so up to O'Shaughnessy Point, which was a pretty tough climb, especially being a beginner. Um, and then I went down McKay Hollow, ran Arrowhead. The really, you know, you can get Natural Well up or Arrowhead. Arrowhead's a lot longer if you go all the way through. And then I think I had Mom pick me up at that uh, Montesano Boulevard. That might have been like an eight-mile trail run with over a 1,000 climb. That was like my first real trail run there. And that was uh, junior year of high school? Uh, no, that was that was sophomore year. It was like, it might have been like at the end of my track season. Yeah, it was, it was right after that. So it, it might have been like going into summer. Well, I remember our first, when me and you ran the trail the very first time we were running. I can specifically remember running on old railroad bed during the summertime. Yeah, that was. And, that there, was, was, and there was a snake. Yeah. And you didn't even see it. And I was like look right there and you're like what i was like snake right there well that that still happens i've jumped over plenty of snakes yeah, it's like this past summer i saw a big old rattlesnake at the bottom of natural well i did not step over that i went off the trail and walked around it yeah the rattlesnakes again when i realized that i was going to be running trails at a young age i started studying up on the snakes because I felt like you need to know your snakes if you're going to be a trail runner and you're going to run during the summer and you're in the state of alabama you know, we have more venomous snakes in Alabama than any in the other lower 48. You better know your snakes. And uh, like I said, mostly the timber rattlers are what you're going to come up on the most. Yeah, I, I don't know what I came up on, but it was a big old rattlesnake. <laughs> I just knew not to go near it. Yeah, and but you know, as many rattlesnakes as I've seen, none have ever struck at me. None have ever come after me. None have ever done anything. You see them and then you're alarmed for a second and then you realize, oh, hey, they don't have any legs. They can't get you too oh, quick. As soon as I got around, I took off. <laughs> I, I just took off. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to catch you. Uh, uh, but I just remember that our first trail run, of course, yeah, we saw a snake. I could, I will, you, you're skipping one. We One day, remember, this. that wasn't our first trail run. Our first one was together was that day that we went down Cold Springs on Mount Miss, and then we did... We might have gone up Death Trail, I think. Yeah. We do you remember that day we went we did like a six mile loop and then we mountain biked after or I kinda remember. I just that, I know you always mapped the courses out ahead that, of time. That that was before we were on um, So what grade were you in? I I don't know. It might have been it might have been that same time range when I did that point to point run. So around sophomore year of high school? Yeah. All right, so then you go into your junior year of high school. Yeah, which I, I was still doing trail stuff, but I was also really focused on improving my 5K at the time, and which I did a lot. Um, I still was dealing with injury stuff. I was able to get under 18 once. 5K. And that was for 5K cross country. Yeah. You finally got under 18 minutes, but your interest was still more. Yeah, it was more in the trails. More in the trails, so... Going into your senior year. I, I said I was going to be all trails from then. You forego running cross-country, yeah. indoor, and track your senior year. Yeah. Of course, we were like, oh, man, why is he going to give up running his senior year? Huntsville High is probably going to win the state. I That team, looking back on it, that team was a lot better than what I could have. Like, I Me being there probably would not have made any difference at all. But, I mean, like... It would have been fun, but like, 
Yeah. I probably would have been like the 15th guy on that team <laughs> at best. Well, it was a fast, fast, fast team. And but sometimes you just want to be part of that team. Yeah, I uh, mean. You know, I didn't care. I mean, I knew you, you wanted to do trails. And uh, so that actually, by not running cross country and track your senior year, led you into your first ultra marathon. Which ended up being Dizzy 50s. Dizzy 50s. In November. And you were how old? 17. So 17 years yeah. old. So even though I ran my first marathon at 16, I did not run my first ultra marathon until I was 20. So I feel like you're getting a head start on me on the on the ultra marathons. Yeah, um, and trails in general. You know, I, didn't start I had probably trails. done one or two real long runs before that race. I was pretty much just running trails every day. Dizzy 50 is kind of like a faster course. Not really something that I figure I have a future in those faster trail races, but uh, I ran like 4.46 or something like that, 50K. 4.46 at Dizzy 50K trail. I was like seventh maybe. Maybe finished top 10. Yeah. Still pretty good finish there. I kind of blew up the last loop. but Blew up a little on the last yeah, loop. Yeah, three loop race. Kind of normal. Uh, yeah, I think everybody blows up the last loop. I mean, I kind of looked at like, I think Will won that day. Will Anzik, yep. and he was strong through the whole race. But you know. And, of course, Will's been doing them. And I was with him at one point that day. I remember him missing the turn. So it's good to reflect <laughs> on that and look back. Yeah, I, I can look back on all my races and say I was with them, and I can say the same thing about I was with this guy, and they finished way behind me. And that's what I like about those long races is, I mean, a lot can happen. A lot can happen in a long race. It just it's, – it's fun to see them unfold. Yeah. Um I enjoy watching them. So that day you were running the Dizzy. I, I don't even think I was there. I think um, I was running JFK that day or something. I think that sounds possible, yeah. Yeah, I think I was at JFK 50 when you decided to run Dizzy 50. Yeah. So that was ultra number one. Then what was your next one? Well, actually, we didn't talk about this. My first trail race was Tick Ridge 25K, like two years before that. We, I, did, I failed to mention that. In oh, my yeah, I trip. remember that. I just showed up. I, we did like 400-meter repeats. So I was coming back from an injury. Yeah. And decided I was going to do Tick Ridge because <coughs> I needed to get some training in for the Mount Cheeha 50K that was coming up in a couple of weeks. And your mama didn't want you running it. Yeah, so this was my sophomore year going in the track season. So you were 15? Yeah, I was 15. 15 years old. 25k tick ridge that course has like 2,000 gain and your mama was making me promise that i wouldn't leave you yeah that didn't happen <laughs> so i was coming back i'm like he's gonna be fine i'm 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 been injured i'm not in that great of shape i'm just wanting to get in the 15 and a half miles well he's never run 15 and a half miles yeah i, I probably ran up to like 10 miles yeah, that was your first run over 10 miles, I bet. Oh, yeah, going backwards here. And you, uh, I can remember telling you just to run with me. Yeah, I did. That lasted for about a mile. <laughs> it, it, I think it was like four miles, actually. Uh, it wasn't very long. It was four miles, and I, I dropped you on a climb. Which We started going up those big hills, and yeah. you started just pulling away. And that's when I was thinking, yeah, I wish I weighed 120 pounds right now. Maybe I, I could get up this hill a little I was, easier. I think I was third that day or something. Yeah. I was uh, probably like 225 maybe. Yeah, you were third or fourth. I don't remember. Third? Third maybe. That sounds right. And then we can fast forward to 2019 after Dizzy 50. Tick Ridge would have been my next race after that. In 2019, I ran 2.08 or something like that. I was second behind Martin. Yeah. Um, Get, getting some more experience. Yeah, a lot, a lot of experience there. Um, after that, I, it might've been, I can't think of the next race. It, it might've been McKay Hollow as the next race. There was probably a road race in there somewhere. Yeah, I did that. What's it called? The River City 10K. I was trying to get some speed going. Remember we, we, we went there. I didn't even set a PR in my 10K. So one thing that, uh, folks need to know about, even though like you get hooked on running trails. Yeah. I don't think it's a good idea to do all of your running on trails because then you can start losing some of your quality and lose some of your speed. If you recall, after your junior year, 
of high school coming off track season, we went to Duluth, Minnesota. Yeah, I was just thinking about that half marathon that I ran. And you ran your very first half marathon um, fresh off a of track season. But And the thing was, going in that race, I was running trails every day. But you were coming off a of track season. Yeah. A lot of workouts. And what happened in that half marathon? I, I exceeded my expectation by a lot. I ran like 123.32 for half. 123 half marathon, first half. That's pretty darn What kind of pace was that? It was like 623, 621, something like that. And felt pretty good. Yeah, and I, like I said, my 10K split was a lot faster than that 10K that I ran earlier <laughs> this year. Well, last year. But that's a good lesson for people to yeah. learn. You... You may not always enjoy doing the speed workouts and doing this and that, and maybe you want to just be out enjoying the trails. Mm -hmm. But if you'll do those workouts, mix it in with that, you it, you can get some really good results. Um, you know, you're just talking about Jim Walmsley. Yeah, he's getting ready for trials right now, doing crazy runs. Crazy workouts. 170 mile weeks, 150 mile weeks. With workouts. Yeah, lots and lots. So didn't didn't you say he did a uh, some 200 repeats. And then 400s in the afternoon. In the morning, and then that afternoon, 12 by 400. Yeah, and then later that week, he did like uh, six by mile in the morning, and then 400s in the afternoon, and then had an easy run the next day, and then 30 miles at 543 pace. <laughs> 30 miles at 543 yeah. No, No junk in there. No. That's not junk miles at all. No. It's unbelievable. Uh, but... You know, I, I always preach to people, if you, you want to be a long, slow runner, run long and slow all the time, and that's what you will become. Mm -hmm. uh, it never fails. You, quality always trumps quantity. If you're blessed like Jim Walmsley and you can do quality and quantity at the same time, well, yeah. then you're just lucky that you can yeah. get away with doing that. Uh, and, of course, then you get a runner that's going to the Olympic trials. Yeah. Course record holder, Western States 100. Course record, multiple races, yeah. Go list goes on and on. So he's not only doing the quality, but he's doing the quantity too. Mm -hmm. But uh, for most people out there, if you're short on time, go for quality because it's always going to trump the quantity. There's a guy here. His name was Carl Nicholson. He used to live here in Huntsville. He's he's passed away now. But when he was 41 years old, he ran. I want to say a 415 mile, 418, somewhere around there as a master's. Mm -hmm. He never ran more than 30 miles a week, ever. Mm. His marathon time was only in the 230s range, but he only ran 30 yeah, he, miles he a week. He probably could have been a lot faster if he had more than 30 miles a week on marathon. He said he would get injured if he ran more than 30 miles I, a week. So he, another interesting thing about uh, Carl, he was roommates with Jim Ryan. At the University of Kansas. Yeah, I don't know who Jim Ryan is. So, <laughs> Premier Miler. Um, he was a Premier Miler. Uh, look up Jim Ryan. You need to look that up sometime. All right. I, I mean, look up Jim Ryan and see what you get. Uh, but that was his roommate in college. So Carl was keeping some pretty good company. He got transferred with his job, uh, probably working on the Arsenal or some engineering firm here. And he... Uh, he used to dominate the road racing around here. So, let's see. Jim Wright, he was a silver medalist in the 1500s? Silver medalist in the 1500. Yeah, that was Carl Nicholson's roommate in college at Kansas. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. He, but he never ran more than 30 miles a week. So, my whole point on that is quality is going to trump quantity. If you're, again, you find yourself running long and slow all the time, you will become a long, slow runner. Yeah. Just no doubt about it. Even our training programs here at Fleet Feet, we do one speed workout a week. If you're going to be in our spring half marathon training program that just kicked off, we're going to teach those folks how to do some speed work and get out yeah, of that I comfort think zone. Definitely one speed work session a week is healthy. Because, I mean, I'd say some runners are more injury prone than others. Yeah, don't have the time to be doing all the extra stuff, like uh, somebody who's got the full time job of being a runner, doing multiple workouts a week. But at least one a week is definitely going to keep you in touch with speed. Even if you're running really long ultras, you still need to keep in touch with it. Yep, that's what I've kind of tried to do. But then sometimes I'll find myself distracted away from the speed and not do it enough. 
Yep, Which, and you and you got to make it. You know, nobody wants to get out there and suffer sometimes. Um, yeah. You know, even you know, I've decided to sign up for Lake Martin 100 in March, yeah. and so I'm trying to build my mileage up right now to get ready to run a hundred miler because I haven't done a hundred mile race and it's been six or seven years since I did Penhody, mm -hmm. and should I forget speed work? No, I don't. I shouldn't. I'm still, even if you do, like last night, I did a seven-mile run. I did the first two easy. Then I just did three miles at a kind of a light tempo just to get the legs turning over well. Yeah. And then two miles easy. If you'll just add something like that once a week, you can get in a lot better yeah, shape. For me, I, I kind of like doing progression runs, especially starting off if you haven't done any speed in a long time. Progression just because you're slowly progressing. You're not forcing yourself to run a high top speed like 200 meter repeats where you're going balls of the wall from the start mm -hmm. and it's, um, it's it's just good for you yeah uh, you get your it's good for get your anaerobic up uh hard to do that if you look at your garmin it tells you if you're working hard or not um i think mine tells me i'm like overreaching a lot right now <laughs> it says i need to recover three days after my yeah, I don't know. I don't know that we can go strictly by the Garmin's. It's uh, it's going based off how I didn't do anything the entire month of December, but uh, getting over that injury. Yeah, over that knee injury. Yeah. All right, so let's talk. Let's go back to talking about mountain mist um, and the changes to the course this year. So, if you go back in time, mountain mist. That race, I was in my twenties and. There were, I don't think there was any trail races in Alabama. I felt like Montesano had some great trails, and I basically put a route together in my head on a lot of stuff I was running. And by this time, I had met a fellow named Dwayne Satterfield. Me and yeah. Dwayne worked together at uh, Teledyne Brown Engineering in the 80s. And Dwayne had really long hair. And he, he was like, you run, don't you? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, we need to get together and start running some. And Dwayne, I don't know how he took to the trails immediately, but uh, he and I started running the trails a lot together and we're just doing tons of trail running. And I don't know, it was just going through my head that, there, that I thought I could put a race on in Huntsville, on Montesano. And I was at the Swanee Perimeter Trail up at University of the yep. South. And... There was a low key, no frills, no entry fee run. It was 20 Just something like, miles around. Yeah. Super low key, but we did it and had a good time. And there was a fellow there named Andy Coley from Florida. He drove all the way from Florida to go run that Swanee run. <laughs> and I said, Andy, I've been thinking about putting on a race in uh, Huntsville up on Montesano on our trails. I said, we got some good trails. They're hard, but they're good. I said, do you think anybody would come run it if I were to put a run on? And Andy goes, I'd drive from Florida to run it. And I said, you would? And he goes, yeah. He said, you put on a race and I'll be there. And I started laying everything out and got my course together, figured out how I could do the aid stations. And I knew there was no way I could do the race, put it on by myself. So I found out when the next HTC board member had a meeting and I remember going to that meeting and it was at Harold Tinsley's house <laughs> and I show up at that meeting and my turn comes and I was like this here's my proposal here's my course I had course maps I said this is where I'm going to do the aid stations and I went in detail over everything and uh, Harold <coughs> was blown away he's like man we've never had a proposal like this he's, he's like you've got it all worked out you've got it looks like you're gonna you've got it figured out how you're gonna do it and I was like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna limit the run to 50 runners. The very first mountain missed, the limit was 50. And I think we ended up filling up like the week before the race with 50 runners. And um, believe it or not, the very first mountain miss started at the hikers parking lot. So it's, just like everybody was piled up in the parking lot? Yeah, I mean, limited to 50 runners. I think we had 30 something show up, maybe 38 or 40 show, actually show up. 38 maybe show up, maybe 36 finished. But I just remember it being six, a fun day, and I remember Mark Dummer was there, and he was like, this race is going to be a classic. He said, this race is going to be a classic. <laughs> and even back then, that was 26 years ago, there, were, there weren't any 50K trail runs out there. I was a little concerned that the race was too short. Because yeah, you'd, 
you know, the shortest trail run we really knew of was Pine Mountain, and it was 46 miles. So nobody was really doing 50Ks? No one was doing 50Ks back then. They just didn't. They just weren't. There was a few just popping up, just very. So we were like, this is just going to be a trail run. I was torn what I was going to name it. Uh, when I'd call Mark to go running, I'd say, let's go run Mountain Mist. Let's go run Mountain had, Mist. Had so, you had heard of, like, Way Too Cool back then? or No. Is that... I mean, I'd heard of them, but you're talking about stuff that was going on in California. Yeah, I mean, but like you'd read the magazine, so I'm Reading sure it was all in Ultra Running Magazine. But I'm sure you saw California, you're like, oh, that's not possible. No, I just, I just, that was to me, they might as well have been in Japan. It yeah. was just too far <laughs> away. Uh, but there was just in the southeast, you had Pine Mountain and you had like some 50 milers, like in Virginia, uh, JFK 50 in Maryland, but yeah. just nothing around us. And, I laid out my course and I'm like, I don't, I think it's around 30 miles. I don't really know for sure what it is, but uh, this is what it is. That, and I was basically connecting trails is all I was doing. We had a lot less trails than is what we got now. Yeah, I believe there's that whole section that's going to be added to the course this year. I'm, I don't even know how long that's been around. Yeah, it did not exist. It, back hasn't, then. it hasn't been around for maybe like. People don't realize years. it. You know, there's a lot of. Uh, people saying, well, I can't believe you're changing the course, but little does anyone know that course has been changing for 25 years. It, it's, it's always changing because trails are constantly being moved. Um, the very first mountain mist, we ran the road up to cabin seven, literally ran into the driveway of cabin seven and right behind cabin seven, we went straight down the trail. So on mountain mist, there's that little sign that says, to, I think it says to ca- Cabin 7. Cabin 7. We so just come down that. Yeah. That's, and we turn right on I'm sure that. nobody's gone down that trail in years. Nobody uses that trail anymore. Nobody. It's, it, it looks abandoned. But that's the first Mount Miss came down that. And we turned right, went over to O'Shaughnessy Point on that. You only did that one little section of Mount Mist. We didn't even run all of Mount Mist. Just that one little section. And we headed down Warpath Ridge. Power lines. Yeah. We ran Flat Rock Trail all the way to Flat Rock. So, like, all where, the way... There was no K2. So you ran it all the way to, like, to where it hooks up with Logan Point? And yep. That's, and, that, and believe it or not, that's where the next aid station was. was right there. So that was that not private property back then? It was. So it was. Just... And um, part of the reason for changing this year's course is we've gotten away with running on private property for 25 years. Yeah. Every now and then, one of the guys that either owned that property or something would call me. And he'd be like, y'all don't need to be down here. And this was like a long time ago. And I was like, well. And then the park ranger at the time, his name was Tim Whitehead. And Tim used to tell me, Tim was all for me starting Mountain Mist. You know, of course, I had to get in and talk to the park ranger about doing this because there were no events like this going on. And he actually, he set up that aid station because he had a gator and he was going to set up that aid station. Back then, we only had to have two coolers at each aid station. Yeah. And it, so it was a lot easier. But he said, just run them. He goes, they won't ever know you're on them. He said, they don't care. And But there's a deer hunting club down there. Yeah. That's- and that's why that guy used to always call me. He goes, y'all don't need to be running down here. We got to do, we, we hunt deer down here. We got a deer hunting club and somebody's going to get shot. And... Somehow, for 25 years, we never had a problem. Yeah, that, that's why I've always been hesitant of even thinking about going to Flat Rock. And it's a, it's a good reason not to, because, I mean, I don't want to be around. I, I've never really heard much shooting going on around there. I've never heard any gunshots on Montesano. Uh, I Actually, I've been on Arrowhead and heard gunshots, like, if you go down towards Doug Hill. and that That's area. where most of the gunshots yeah. are coming from, is around Red Lizard. You know, Red Lizard Trail has hunters on it yeah. this time of year because there's hunting trails that run through if it. you if you drive over to the foot bottom of red lizard and there's trucks there they're hunting yeah uh tom Pozzert says that's when he does not run that way when there's cars parked there he said if there's no cars parked there then nobody's hunting and he'll run it but if there's trucks parked there he said they're hunting um you know I mean, uh, but anyway that's why we, I wanted to take that section out. The last two years, I've had to leaf blow those sections because nobody was running and you couldn't even see the trail. Yeah, exactly. And the power lines has a tendency to grow up with briars and, you know, it's just a pain in the butt. 
especially when we got trails as good as Oak Park. Yeah, brand new mountain bike trails being kept by the. Yeah, uh, um, they're just in too good of it's just too good of trails for us to not be using. Even Dummy Line. Did you say you went up Dummy Line today? I went down it today. It's but it's fun. Yeah, it? it's it's fun. Um, it, it's been raining lately, and the trails were in really good condition, surprisingly. Yeah. I, I was mean, just there maybe two days ago, and then I was back today, and they it was were a lot less muddy. Yeah. Yeah, they were pretty much dry. I mean, I ran up there today myself. and did. I was actually running from, uh, you know, Cold Springs and did the Oak Park section and Dallas Branch. and. Yeah, I saw you, you did, like, more than one out and back. I was a little confused. Well, because I missed that right-hand turn that takes you over to Oakwood Drive. Yeah or Oakwood Avenue, the way the race is actually going to go. Yeah, down to the road. Um, but there was a log across it, and I I wasn't real familiar with that area, and that's why I was down there today just so, checking things out. But you out. made it to, like, the waterfall and the creek. Oh, yeah, I did all that. Yeah, it's a little confusing. It's a little confusing creek. without being marked. Yeah, I've, I've been there plenty of times, so I know what to do. Yeah, but, but we'll have it marked for the race. Um, but, yeah, if you're just training on that area, it's kind of can be a little hard to figure out. But the good news is we'll have it marked on race day. And now yeah. Eric Fritz had put out a lot of blue plates. Yeah, they're still out there. And half of them are gone, though, because sometimes I can see like a little blue dot on a tree where somebody, somebody ripped, ripped them, it off. Yeah. I think he was using paper plates. He probably should have been using those plastic ones. Um, I think they might have been plastic. Some of them are plastic, but I think some of them are paper. Those are good little guides um, to find your way around. But I think, you know, overall... Um, I think people are going to like this year's Mountain Mist course, and hopefully we can keep it the same. But just like nobody realized, Bluff Line has already been changed. Yeah, I haven't been on the new Bluff Line at all. Yeah, it's been changed. Uh, they they've done a reroute, and as long as this race is going to be going on, there's probably going to be reroutes for. Yeah, even with Water Line. Um, didn't, didn't they say they were going to take away the vertical climb? On water They've been talking about taking away the vertical climb for the last two years, but it's still there. It's still going to be there this year, yeah. It's going to still be there this year, so when you get to waterline, you're still going to have the vertical straight up. and um, Which I think that's how it should be. But Yeah, people are kind of shocked. <laughs> uh, you know, we usually get runners from as many as 25 states, and I think they're blown away by waterline. <laughs> I, I don't think it's the toughest thing in Alabama, though. I think no. going up Blue Hill and Mount Chihaw is tougher. Probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're correct on that one. Uh, the climb at Chihaw is worse. It goes yeah. to the highest point in Alabama, uh, and it's longer. Um, that little section of waterline is just not as long. Yeah, so. it's really short. And you kind of get to rest. Uh, you know, I, I feel like your heart rate goes up really high whenever you're going vertical. Even walking. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that's just some of the changes to Mount Mist. Uh, Rob did a pretty darn good job. I think, of, yeah, I think Rob mapped it out as good as you could. Yeah, and he's got the sections marked with the different colors on the map. And if you look at the map pretty hard, you can figure it out. Um, one thing you don't, I haven't told you yet is me and you are going to go up. And, the, you know, with, they insisted we add the Red Gate loop. Yeah. And it is exactly a loop right back to where you came, and then you take that little creek bed down. Yeah. I think we're going to go work on that trail this weekend. Okay. And make it look like a little bit better trail, because I did it this morning, and you can't tell it's a trail. It's it's a creek bed is what it is. So we're going to do some work on that and make it a decent trail. It's not far. What is it, like 25 yards? It's not very far, because it just takes you right back to the road. Yeah, it's probably 25 yards, but I think we're going to do some work on that thing that's possibly on Sunday and get that thing looking right. Um, but everybody felt like uh, Red Gate needed to be in there because, you know, Dwayne's been climbing that gate for 25 years, and I think Riddle's been climbing the gate. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who all climbs the gate, uh, but, you you know, it's your choice if you want to climb the gate. But everybody's going to have to do the Red Gate loop. I mean, that's just the way it's going to be. Uh, uh, it's going to be fun. But... Somebody had re requested what, how should they dress when they're on a wet, muddy trail? For me, nothing really changes with, with the weather. Um, I'm always wearing high socks. High socks on trails uh, to me is mandatory. Yeah, even because I mean, even on days that it's sunny and say 60 and 
bright sun drying off the trails uh, down in like McKay Hollow it's always gonna be muddy no matter what uh, there's gonna be dirt no matter what little low uh, branches hitting you in the ankles there's not really anything you can do the only thing you can do is slow down if you're afraid you're gonna fall but yeah I mean, you're in a race I wouldn't slow down to me uh, on like if it's wet well for one on a muddy trail there's like I said there's nothing you can do with it except when you're coming up on a wet section don't try to go around it yeah, just go right through it. Go straight through it. I think typically that's the better path because everybody starts trying to go around it. It it makes little embankments, and those little embankments get slippery as heck, and I think you're more likely to fall by trying to go around the water puddles. Go straight through them, usually, and usually they're not even that deep. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I, on Montesano, goat trail specifically, I've been in, like, knee-deep puddles, but that's after, like, weeks of rain uh i don't think it's going to be that way this weekend because wasn't that a question like yeah i think the the uh the 15k the the 15k is this weekend and they're calling for you know torrential downpours i think you're better off if there is a downpour rather than it rains and then just stops Uh, yeah um if if there's a downpour during the race you're definitely gonna be running slower yeah just naturally, you're going to be a little bit more safe. The temperature is the key on, like, what do you wear? Well, to me, if it's raining um, and if it's kind of cold, I'm probably going to go with one of those super lightweight I, jackets. I'm still in short sleeves, I think. those. I get too hot with the jacket on. Typically, you might get too hot, and I agree with that. It depends on what you're doing. Like, if you're going on a really, really long race and you're running really slow, you're going to yeah. need more clothes. If you're running a 15K or the, even the four-miler, yeah. you probably need less. The less clothes you can get away with wearing, the less weight you're going to carry with all the water. Yeah, but if, you're, if you've like been experienced with trial and error of what you think you should wear, I think you just go whatever's best for you because everybody's different. Yeah. Um, I tend to get hot easy, too, so yeah. I tend to wear less, um, especially if I'm working hard. Uh, I think I've signed up for that 15K, and, you know, you get in the race conditions, you have a tendency to get the adrenaline going, you have some more speed going than normal, yeah. and a, a lot of people think they're going to train and race the same on trails, but that's not true. You will run faster. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you'll run faster, and you're running faster generates more heat. So, um, you know, I w- definitely wear trail shoes. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't change up any trail shoes. I still occasionally see people running in road shoes on trails. I mean, some people can make it work if you're not as concerned about terrain. Um, But but Mount Mist, those trails on Montesano are so rocky that I just would be paranoid to not have a trail shoe on. Yeah, I think so, too. I think you need the protection and uh, just really think you, you know, protect your feet best you can. Um, From Seth... Dink in his prime versus Sky. Who takes the W? Well, here, I'll go, I'll go ahead and say something <laughs> about this. Um, I definitely don't think I'm anywhere near my prime running-wise, so I don't think it's really a fair question. <laughs> uh, yeah. Maybe you can ask maybe like five years from now about that. Uh, yeah, Skyler's only uh, 18 years old, um, and I'm 54, and my prime was 20 years ago. Uh, yeah, so I... Skyler knows he knows what I've done. He's he's read Ultra Running my my old Ultra Running magazines. I've, and I've stocked Ultra Sign Up a lot. He's looked at all. There's you know that Ultra Sign Up has me listed to like 160 or 70 ultras or something, which yeah. is wrong. It's got some of them old ones it, missing. Yeah, it misses a lot of stuff. Um, I know, especially the older stuff that like when I first started running ultras in the 80s. I don't think any of that stuff's on Ultra Sign Up. Yeah, if you go to your page and scroll to the bottom, it's mainly just Strolling Jim. Yeah, it mostly starts with Strolling Jim, and um, which I, I personally, I might do that race like one time, just to see if I can beat your time. But I have no interest in the road ultras right now. Yeah, um, and you're, you're you're not. I alone. think I think our interests are similar, but like, there's so much you can do in running. I I feel like you were like you did a lot of marathons. I feel like your best distance was probably like 50 miles. Would you agree with that? 
think it's probably your best. yeah 50k to 50 miles probably my best um yeah i think i i think i'll do better even longer than 50 miles i ran some um, decent marathons yeah um, which i have no interest in doing but marathons. you got but I grew up in a different time. I mean, yeah. in the 80s, it was all about marathons and running them fast. And um, especially the early 80s, you know, 81, 82, around in there, uh, there was a lot of fast marathoners. I mean, you, if you were going to win Rocket City Marathon, the first time I ran Rocket City Marathon, you know what the winning time was? 2.13. Yeah, that's... 2.13. That would be competitive at the trials. That would be competitive at the trials now, right. It... Nobody's run 213 at Rocket City in a long, long time. But typically in the early days when Rocket City first started, Steve Bolt and those guys, they were running 214, <coughs> 213. Lewis Kenny ran 212 at Rocket City, 212.21. That's still the Rocket City Marathon record is Lewis Kenny. Yeah. Uh, and he, I think he even came back for the race when it was the uh, 25th anniversary. He came and held the finish line tape with me at the race. Uh, he was actually from Ireland, but uh, he lives here now. But anyway, it was just, yeah, that's that's a tough question because, you know, my prime was 20 years ago at 34, and you're nowhere near your prime. I, I hope not. Um, hey, I 18. feel like I got a lot of time to. You're 18 years old. You got a ton I mean, of time. Yeah, I feel like I, if I can keep improving up until late 30s, early 40s, I feel like I'll be happy with that. Then we can talk about it. <laughs> that's a long way. Oh, I hope I'm still around to talk about it then, because uh, that's that is a good ways off. Uh, but even if you're not, we can still talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna try to be around, but you just never know what the day holds and what I'm gonna try to keep plugging. You know, it's different. Uh, you know, when you Gary Elkins, a guy that I that trained me for my first marathon in '81. You know, he ran the first 36 Rocket City marathons, and he. He told me when you, he said, when you turn 50 years old, and I think Wayne Smith told me the same thing. He said, you got to forget everything you did to that point. You got to start over. And he is correct. So the one thing I'm fortunate about is on Strava, yeah, you, I didn't get on Strava till I'm in my 50s. So it's kind of nice to see if I'm, how well I'm doing. Uh, yeah, compare your times. Compare Which times. I feel like you've, the past few years, you, You've done better running-wise. You've been more focused on running rather than triathlons. Like yeah. I, I, a few years ago. Because I'm still a runner. I'm a yeah. runner that does triathlons. Yeah. I, I'm not a triathlete. I'm a runner that does triathlons, you know, just for to mix up the training, something to do. But my heart and soul is still with the run, and that's what I'm always going to put first, ultimately, yeah. over anything. I'm going to put the run first and uh, just the way it's going to be. Uh, but... I think we ought to wrap up this first. Uh, yeah, that that makes sense. First too. episode, and we'll come back in about a week, and I guess we will do it again. And I'm gonna say what I always say: everybody got to keep moving. Yeah, be sure to subscribe and stay tuned for more. Uh, we definitely got a lot of stories to tell on here. We just kind of touch base here, first episode. It's hard to talk about so many different things at once, but we kind of—I feel like we talked about stuff we can keep talking about in the future. For um, sure, we yeah. left a lot of. We can talk about the past. We can talk about the future. Um, oh, we got. We, we can got, talk about the present. There's so much stuff we can talk we about. We got tons we can talk about. Uh, just tune in, and uh, you'll get to hear all the stories that I've been talking about for the last forty-something years. Yeah. 